to season two episode three of kicking grass as always i'm your host david walding i am here with a special guest host today uh we want to welcome john muller into the program as the co-host harry is unfortunately out on a bit of an emergency today we wish harry and his family all the best and we'll see him next week but help me in welcoming john muller to the program john how are you doing oh i'm doing great happy to be here well, welcome, welcome. For those of you who don't know John, he's very active on uh, the Austin FC websites. We're going to make this a Austin FC-centric episode without Harry. Uh, however, I know USL hasn't really started up the first game. The San Antonio FC will be kicking off on the 12th, and I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about with Harry when that happens. But as for Austin FC, well underway, two games under the belt, and so we're going to focus on Major League Soccer, MLS action. Talk to John. I wanted to have John on the program because I know you're Austin super fan, smartest guy in the city probably on Austin FC ah. issues. Uh, and I thought we had some interesting back and forth on the Austin fan group on Facebook. And as I say, social media is not a great venue or forum for any serious kind of discussion over the topics and i thought we had some things to discuss so uh, i appreciate you coming on and um let's just get to it i know harry wanted to know your impressions after the first couple of games for austin fc so we started out playing at home against fc cincinnati it was a 5-0 victory Followed that up uh, this fall, this past Sunday with a 5-1 victory over Inter-Miami. So let's just start with that. What have you been your impressions so far on Austin FC and the start to the season? Uh, sure. Uh, my impressions are two. Number one, the league very sweetly gave us two home games against weak opponents to start out our season this year. And so that was that was a great gift. But then my second impression is that, hey, we took full advantage of our opportunity. So, Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. I, I said after the first game against Cincinnati that it's Cincinnati. How much can you really take from that? Um, however, I agree with you. If you're going to play Cincinnati, you have to put a whooping on them 5-0 like we did. So that's better than, than – that's about the best start you could hope for. Um, I thought I would be able to tell more against Miami. Um, so let's get into the Miami game a little bit. I'm, you were there at the game, I understand, right? So I know we didn't yes. get to connect beforehand in person. Um, but you were at the game, Q2 Stadium, season ticket holder, I presume? Yes, yes, we are. Wonderful. Um, and that was a uh, – it's always a good atmosphere at Q2 Stadium. Um, so the game against inner Miami started out, it wasn't a lot different than the Cincinnati game. We got a goal early on in the first half. It wasn't at the second minute, but it was probably about what, about 10, 15 minutes in took a lead, uh, at halftime, went into the second half. Um, I felt struggled at the beginning of the second half, but Miami couldn't put away any of their chances at the beginning of the second half. So then we got that goal and 
uh, kind of rolled from there and it was a 5-1 final victory. Um, what were your thoughts on, on the game and the way it shaped up against Miami? Yeah, uh, I still have uh, concerns and questions about our back line. And, you know, we did give up the, the easy goal against Miami, but so far so good, right? I mean, you can't, uh, you can't really uh, complain too much about a 5-1 victory. So. so I know Harry's the Austin FC naysayer, and his question for you was how much of that was really Austin FC improving from last year and how much of it was that those are just two really bad teams to start off the season? Because I, I felt like Cincinnati going in would be probably one of the worst teams in the league, and they haven't shown me anything to change my mind yet. Um, Miami, I actually think has the makings of a little bit better than that, but my impression from you is that you kind of have the opposite opinion, right? That Miami's really bad and that Cincinnati might end up being a little bit better. Or what do you think about those two opponents? Uh, yeah, that, that has been my impression. Uh, but then I'm not nearly as knowledgeable and an observer of the game as you are. Uh, <laughs> I'm basing that impression on the, um, Goal added difference, uh, which, which again is only over two games, and so really we right. we need to get more games into it. I I think that Cincinnati and Miami are both relatively weak squads, but then I also think that in the MLS, you can't really uh, talk confidently about how strong or how weak a team is until you get. 10 or 15 games into the season. There's a lot of change typically in the MLS from season to season. Uh, the favorites uh, don't always do well. And the, uh, the, the teams that are uh, in the preseason look weak, sometimes turn out to be a lot stronger. So, um, yeah, I, th I think uh, Cincy and um, Miami are both weak teams, but, you know, after we, after we get, 10 or 15 games in, then, then we'll nut. And I think that's valid. Um, MLS is a very – parity is the keyword for MLS, and so it's hard. The difference between good and bad is usually very uh, minute. So you do have to have a bigger sample size and momentum and, and mentality go into it a lot as you get toward the second half of the season. So I would agree with that completely. Um, on the uh, – Questions that I think I had for you. So I wanted to start out with a couple of Austin questions. We're going to make this an all Verde episode today. Uh, just talk Austin FC between the two of us. So uh, my first question was going to be on starting of Ruti. So Maxi Ruti has been the starting uh, forward for the first couple of games. Uh, what do you think? about uh, his performance over those first two games and the, um, the starting of Arute over, over uh, Musajite. Um, and how do you see that going forward this season? Starting Arute seems to be working for them. Um, I was thrilled when they got Arute. Uh, I love, love, love Ashite, but Ashite is young. There are questions about um, Jete's positioning. There are questions about Jete's runs, whether he uh, makes runs or uh, doesn't make runs. Um, Aruti is an old pro. 
uh, who definitely makes runs. Uh, so I think it's to our advantage to let Jute develop over time in a natural way. And in the meantime, we've got a Rudy. Well, devil's advocate on that, because um, you say there are questions about that. Who who exactly is questioning Jute's runs? Because I haven't seen any evidence of questionability there. Um, is that something that that you've seen personally, or is that something that you're hearing from experts, or, or what's the, no, what's no, the that, question no, with the runs on GTA? Yeah, that's definitely something that I've read. I, you know, I'm not really competent to uh, to watch him on the field and make a judgment. Oh, you know, he's, he's making runs or not making runs. And I don't recall offhand where I've read that, but I have read those questions uh, from people I respect. So that's the, that's the source of that doubt. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, it's hard to observe him on the field if he's not on the field. So there's, there is that piece of the, the equation. Uh, I'm a bigger Rudy fan, so don't get me wrong. But I do want to play devil's advocate with that because the knock on Ruti over his MLS career, and that goes back to, I thought he was amazing at Dallas, and I, I thought Dallas was ridiculous for letting him get away. But he's been at, you know, five or six different teams over 10 years, and the knock on him has always been um, a high work rate, but the decision-making, the the shots, um when to shoot, when to pass. He will shoot it from anywhere, which I don't necessarily see as a negative, but a lot of people do. And that just statistical production, he has not been a prolific goal scorer. And if you look over the first two games, uh, he hasn't scored. Am I wrong on that? Has he scored in the first two games? I don't believe so. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe one, but, um, but, he has not, as the lone striker, he has not been scoring goals for us. So uh, I appreciate the other things that he does. I think he's got a high work rate. He tracks back. He helps defend. But in the system that Wolf wants to play with a lone striker, my question is, uh, not for you, but just for the universe, uh, is that the best fit for that role is to have your lone striker always coming back and helping defend and, and not being the, the finisher? So to me, Ruti is a workhorse. He's not necessarily a finisher. And that's kind of the question I have with the Ruti going forward. Jite to me has looked, until the Miami game, he's looked amazing every time I've seen him on the field. Um, now, I thought Miami, he took a step back to just normal um, instead of amazing as when he came on the field against Miami. Um, but I do question um, whether or not having a 30-something-year-old veteran striker start is going to be what you can do throughout the entire season. We've only seen the two games. So um, I'm wondering, when does that come into play where you're going to have to, you're going to have to have that option of Jute at some point? Yeah, presumably uh, Jute will get more minutes as the season comes along. Jute may take the uh, starting role uh, at some point during the season. But with 10 goals over two games, Jute's <laughs> working just fine as far as I'm concerned. Well, there is that. It's hard to argue with that. So um, the goal scoring has been coming out of midfield, though, which has been pretty exciting through mostly through Driussi and um, 
and Cecilio. So uh, I know you're going to have some questions for me on Cecilio because of my comments from last year, but um, uh, Cecilio working okay for you so far? Better than last year. Huh? Uh. <laughs> we agree on that, I guess. Um, the kind of the next question I had about the whole setup was, I think you mentioned you had some questions on uh, the back line. And I would agree to that. That's my biggest concern. So when, when we had the conversation preseason with Harry, uh, he was saying, I don't see where the goals are going to come from. I don't think Austin's going to be able to score goals. And I told him flat out, I said, I'm not worried about the goal scoring. I'm worried about the defense. Um, I think the attack is going to be fine. The defense does still have me concerned. So um, I think you mentioned that you had some questions still about that. What, what is it that you're seeing or that concerns you on our back line? Well, we're starting a, a rookie center back. And, you know, everyone's all excited about Kippy. I'm excited about Kippy, but the guy's a, a rookie straight out of college. Uh, Cascante, uh, I'm not as negative on Cascante as some folks, right? But still, uh, there, there are limits. Uh, I don't think Cascante is going to be a lot better than he was last year. Uh, although, you know, he's, he started out okay. So we, uh, I don't think we have a lot of speed at center back. Uh, we're waiting for, um, Who's our uh, Gabrielson to uh, come on and uh, and start? But you know, if Gabrielson works out for us, uh, and obviously Kippy is uh, off to a great start, then we should be in a we should be in better shape than we were last year at center back. But those that remains to be seen. Uh, right. if that's really going to be the case. Right. Yeah, I think uh, odd man out so far has been Romagna which I expect to see him at some point, but he's certainly been uh, one of the four in the rotation that hasn't rotated yet. He hasn't stepped on the field in the first two games. I don't think he wasn't even on the bench as an option in that first game against Cincinnati, which was a little bit surprising. So, um, but lo losing Beesler and then replacing them with Kip Keller and Gabrielson, I guess that's kind of the question. We have to see how that goes over the course of a season. Um, I felt like they did good against Cincinnati and they did fine against Miami. The question is how much of that was the opponent, right? So I felt like both Cincinnati and Miami were able to create chances and just not able to finish them. And that worries me going forward a little bit because I think a better team would be able to take advantage of some of those situations, whereas Cincinnati and Miami clearly were not able to take advantage of it, um, aside from that one goal that Miami put up, put against us. So, but yeah, that back line is untested. Uh, I, I think there's no, we're no worse off with Kip Keller and Gabrielson. Would you agree with that? Uh, no, we're, we're better off than we were at the end of the year. So the question in my mind is, uh, is Gabrielson going to be better than Beasler was when Beasler was healthy? And, um, you know, it, it looks very promising so far, right? I mean, the fact right. that Romagna uh, has not made the bench in either of the first two games is a promising sign. We have a lot more depth at center back. 
uh, than we had last year. Last year, I think uh, they had to play ring at center back one game. We were so thin, right? So they sure did. So I was worried when we lost Sweat, uh, but you know, moving Gallagher back is—he uh, looks like he has potential. And um, no, I—I—I I, I think the back line could be okay, but let's let's get a few more games into this and see how. <laughs> right. uh, See how Gabrielson comes along if, in fact, he comes along well. And, you know, well, uh, that, that is my biggest concern for this team is the back line. Right. That makes sense. Um, I, I do want to ask then about – I have a question for you, and that's going to roll into our next topic, which I'm sure is going to be the controversy of the day, which is the whole wolf in, wolf out debate that's been going on. Um, however – uh, before we get to that, I do want to ask your opinion on these fitness, supposed fitness concerns. Um, it seems like we have a lot of players that whenever it's asked why they're not playing, we get the, oh, it's a fitness issue. And in your mind, what does that come from? Is that some problem from the player? Is it a problem from the club itself? Is it um, an excuse is a, do you have any opinion on where we're, why we're having so many players that are deemed not fit to be playing 90 minutes on our team? I don't know that I've, um, seen that we have many players who have been deemed to be not fit. I have read concerns that Romagna, uh, was not fit. Um, well, that's been I, the excuse on GTA from day one is he's not fit. Since oh, that's right. Okay. I first I've seen got that, here. I've seen to that now. speculation also. Yeah. I've seen that <laughs> um, speculation also. That was that's also what's been floated recently for both uh, Valencia and Gabrielson as to why they're not starting is because they're too new and they're not their fitness isn't ready for the okay. 90 minutes. So I mean it seems to be and, and that's gonna roll into some of my other questions, but it seems like we do have a lot of uh, fitness questions when it comes to players that are on our squad. And it seems to be, uh, has, has been a theme throughout the past season and two games. Okay. I'm, yeah, I understand where you're coming from now. So I'll say a couple of things about, uh, fitness. One is, is fitness an excuse? So my position is, is that one man's excuse is another man's explanation. Excuse is a pejorative term for an explanation. Well, and I would say explanation is based on facts, whereas an excuse isn't always based on reality. But go ahead. Uh, second thing I'd say about fitness is I'm sure that fitness happens or doesn't happen. I'm sure that fitness is a thing, but it's not at all clear to me that those of us who are sitting up in the stands are in any position whatsoever to judge a player's fitness. I mean, we can get an idea, hmm, he seems to be huffing and puffing out there, but it's a very crude um, measure that we can take from up in the stands. So if Josh Wolf in his press conference says something about a player's fitness, well, Wolf ought to know, right? The rest of us, I don't really think we're in a position to know. Fair enough. That makes sense. 
Um, so let's just get into the, the, the wolf question then, because I think we had some back and forth over wolf in, wolf out. So you are a supporter of wolf throughout last season. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's correct. I'm, I, I was and, and, and remain wolf in. And remain wolf in. Um, I had given wolf the benefit of the doubt until, and I can pinpoint exactly when it was. It was the set. It was the away game at Dallas for the Copa Texas trophy toward the very end of the year. And that's when I became wolf out from that game on. I have also not seen anything yet to change my opinion, but I think I wanted to have that kind of open debate with you because I think you and I have had some conversations on it, but again, on social media, you can't really get into it too much. So, um, why don't you start out? Uh, I'll let you explain your position a little bit, and I'll explain mine, and, and we can go from there. But why is it that you have been a, a Wolf supporter over the course of this controversy? Sure. I'll, uh, I'll preface this by saying, you know, I've been following soccer for one MLS season and two games. So I am, unlike you, I am not a knowledgeable observer of the game. Now, my son, who's also named John Muller and who also does podcasts, hey, he, he knows the game inside and out. He makes a living uh, writing for The Athletic about uh, Premier League soccer. You know, he can, he can watch a game and tell you, oh, boy, this guy, he's, he's making runs and doing this and doing that. Oh, that coach, he made a terrible decision. I'm not in that position at all, right? I, I don't know the game well enough to um, make that kind of determination. So instead, what I do is I look and go, well, you know, I know something about organizations. I look at Anthony Precourt and I'm going, gee, looks to me like he knows how to run a soccer team in the MLS. Uh, it looks to me like he had a reasonably successful run in Columbus. It looks to me like he has built a quality stadium and a quality uh, performance center training ground. Uh, and is in the process, even though he had, uh, you know, some, some bad breaks last year, he's in the process of building a, a quality squad. It appears to me that he has a successful track record of choosing uh, coaches in the MLS. Uh, he hired in Burhalter in Columbus. Uh, Burhalter did well for him there and went on to the U.S. men's national team. There are people who say, well, Burhalter's a lousy coach too. Well, maybe, but, you know, from where I sit, I'm going, it looks to me like Precourt knows what he's doing and picking coaches. And he's picked this guy, and he's stuck by this guy. And I'm going, well, you know, uh, why don't we give it two or three years here? Matt Doyle the other day on uh, Moon Tower said, hey, you're hiring a, a uh, rookie coach for an expansion team. That's a three-year project. I'm willing to give him three years. How about you? How about me? No, I'm not. Unconditionally? Okay. No, I'm not. So that's kind of the, I guess that's the difference of outlook. I was willing to, what I want from a coach is, generally speaking, to maximize the talent that's on the field. Um, and I know year one in an expansion year is, difficult under the best of circumstances and last season was not the best of circumstances. However, we were not the second worst team 
in the Western Conference based on pure talent. And I see things from year one that are very concerning for from a coaching perspective that really caused me some some trepidation with the way we're moving forward with with Wolf and this team. And I'm not seeing yet anything that's changed my mind about that. Let me be fair. I really hope I'm wrong. I really want him to be a success and to just prove me wrong and to go on and win MLS Cup with Austin FC. Uh, however, there are things about his coaching from last year that is very that are very concerning to me. It's the lack of ability to adapt. I don't believe you can go through an entire season without adapting to the circumstances, um, both in your own club and to the opponent. And I haven't seen an ability to do that. He's made some horrible substitutions, some horrible kind of coaching decisions. And I really felt like last year when things started to go wrong, what I saw from him was blaming of players and blaming of other people and never taking any of the responsibility himself for mistakes that he was making. One of the things I see consistently both last year and I would say in both of the games this year is the team coming out the second half and being flat at the beginning of the second half. And to me, that's a coaching issue from a locker room perspective. Something is not right in that halftime where the team consistently goes out and starts poorly in the second half, because I thought Cincinnati dominated the second half until we scored. And I thought Miami also dominated the second half until we scored. And I felt both of our goals in the second half and both of those games were against the run of play, which is fine, but we were not controlling the second half when that happened. And I don't think that's going to happen consistently over the course of the season. So things like that concern me. Now, what, what happened in the first two games is we've been up in both games. We've played well in both games. We haven't had uh, any type of injury issues. We haven't had card issues. We haven't had substitution issues. We haven't had rest issues. We haven't had anything that he's had to deal with yet in that respect. And we've gotten early goals and been able to play from ahead there's not been any adversity yet or any controversy. We've not even played an away game yet. So what I'm concerned about is what happens when we play an away game and something goes wrong. Uh, how are we able to handle that? And I've not seen any evidence yet that this coach is able to do that. And that's my concern for him. That's why at the end of last year, I was, this is not the coach to take us all the way to a title. And that's where I want to see the team go. We're kind of wasting the talent that we have and we need to get somebody else in. Again, we'll see how it's been two games. So far, so good, as you say. We'll see how it goes. I didn't see um, any great game day coaching. I do agree. I believe you had told me before, most of the coaching is done before you get to the game, though, right? It's during the week. It's in the off season. It's in the practices, which I would agree with. Um, but that's kind of my perspective on why I became Wolf out toward the end of last year. And so far, hasn't changed my mind. And that's fair. Yeah. On um, where a soccer coach makes a difference, 
you know, I grew up uh, watching the Dallas Cowboys back in their heyday. And, you know, Tom Landry called every play from the sideline. Right. Tom Landry sent in as many subs as he wanted, whenever he wanted. And, you know, if things really got tough, Tom Landry called timeout. A soccer coach can't do any of that, right? That is so, true. you know, it, it appears to me that during the game, if the soccer coach is young, he paces up and down the sideline and waves his arms a lot. And if he's older, <laughs> you know, he kind of sits in his, he sits glumly in his seat and, you know, waits for Monday morning when he can get those guys again, right? So I, I'm not sure. A soccer, you know, a soccer coach does make a difference, but not much of a difference compared to coaches in other sports, it appears to me, during the game. I, I can see that point. And yes, there is a limit to what a coach can do to affect the course of the game on the field at the time during game day. That is absolutely, I would agree with that. Um, I thought to take the Miami game though, as an example, I actually thought that was a pretty good coaching job, all things considered by uh, the Miami coach. Um, now it's hard to say anything about Wolf this season because he hasn't really done anything during the games and he hasn't needed to do anything during the games. We have been playing well. So if you're playing well, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. If you're doing things well, you don't need to change anything. So my question is going to be, at some point, he will need to do that. Is he capable of doing that? Is he able to do that? We'll have to see because so far I haven't seen it. Um, and it hasn't been a need yet this season. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully um, he surprises me and makes the right moves. But I thought Miami at halftime came out, made a couple of substitutions at halftime, changed the formation. And again, I thought they outplayed us in the second half. Um, I still don't like tactically some of the things Wolf has the team doing. Um, the goal we gave up at Miami was that playing around in the back type of system that he likes to play. Um, I don't know that that works in Major League Soccer. I think that's a, that's a tough sell to me. And you'd have to prove it to me. And so far in a year and two games, it hasn't been proven to me. Um, so I have my doubts about that system itself. I also, um, just have some questions going forward with Wolf and how he handles personnel. So we'll have to, again, make sure that that doesn't blow up in our faces, uh, toward during the season. Um, but that's kind of my perspective on, on, on the Wolf out Wolf in, I'll, I'll reverse that for you. And um, I don't know what, uh, if you have any questions for me about that, I'm here, I'm free game, you can blast away because I know you and I don't see eye to eye on that, although I don't know that we're also that far apart. Yeah, I don't know that uh, we're all that far apart. We, we want him to win. We want Wolf to succeed. Uh, he didn't succeed last year, uh, but it looks hopeful this year, and uh, we hope that continues. Uh, the gripes against Wolf. Uh, that I've heard is, yeah, he, he likes, he wants to play out of the back. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the questions as to whether that's really viable in the MLS are fair questions. Uh, the questions as to whether it was really viable uh, in Austin last year, I think that's a perfectly fair question. Uh, it didn't work last year, uh, as you pointed out. 
Uh, it didn't work uh, once against Miami, uh, but well, I would overall, say I thought it didn't work several times against Miami and several times against Cincinnati. They just couldn't finish when they had those opportunities. But I didn't yeah, think it was like only, only one time in both games did it happen. I thought it happened many times in both games, and it's just those teams were not able to do much with it when they had the opportunity. I, Understood. Only bit us once. Okay, well, that's fair. Right, only bit us uh, once. Yeah. So, uh, my impression is is that uh, the ambition to play out of the back is a common one. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, what the new, um, I think both the new Houston coach and the new Dallas coach uh, have espoused <laughs> that sort of thing, right? Um, and so, Maybe it won't work, but there seem to be a lot of people who want to try it. And, you know, if you don't, if you don't think that that's going to work, well, you're not going to like Wolf because that's definitely what he, he plans to do, right? Uh, on playing out of the back, it appeared to me, David, that last year there was a game in the second half of the season where all of a sudden uh, the press stories that were coming out of the team were all about pragmatism. Pragmatism suddenly became the watchword of the week. And as I said, I don't know all that much about soccer, but I've been around organizations for many years and I've learned that, oh, I've learned to recognize that there seems to be a new uh, program coming down from on high and I'm supposed to stand up and salute this flag. And it appeared to me that that's what was happening with quote, pragmatism. Uh, So it appeared to me that Wolf did make adjustments during the course of the year on playing out of the back and that they got to where they were not, uh, where they were uh, booting it long more often. I know after the Miami game this year, uh, Stuver made some comments to the effect that, oh, yeah, you know, we just, uh, we played out of the back one too many times there or something like that. So uh, it appears to me that adjustments have been made. Unlike you, uh, it appears to me that, you know, Wolf is a guy who very much wants to win and wants to make adjustments. And I don't understand this, uh, this thought that, oh, you know, this guy can't adjust. Well, uh, I don't believe that, you know, uh, again, you're much more knowledgeable on soccer than I am. And, I'm sure there's a basis for your concern that he's uh, not able to adjust or not willing to adjust, but. I I would say willing is the question. Is he willing to make those adjustments? Yeah. So, and I'm sure that there are some adjustment that adjustments that he's not willing to make. He does plan to play possession ball, but I, it appears to me that he has tweaked his uh, approach to possession ball already. And I would anticipate that he'll continue to tweak as, uh, as the need arises in the future. Why wouldn't he? Well, that's the question. Um, why wouldn't he? So, but I didn't, I haven't seen any evidence of it yet. And it seemed like there have been many opportunities to okay. show his willingness to adapt. And I just haven't seen it yet. Uh, again, it's early in this year, and there hasn't been a need this year for him to do much. So we'll see when we get – maybe we'll see this week against Portland. 
Uh, I don't think that's going to be an easy game. Some people are down on Portland this year, but I don't think going up to Portland is going to be an easy task for Austin. Going to Providence Park? No, I wouldn't think so. I, uh, I would, I would love to see him get a point, you know. Yeah, but it's, it's, yeah, it's going to be a, a, a different task set before them than they've had uh, in their first two games at home against relatively weak opponents. Exactly, and I think. Part of my question about the the mentality of just having to play out of the back is, uh, as I think you and I agree, that back line is the weak point. So why would you put your weakest element of your team into that position so often like he seems to do? So that's kind of the question I have. I mean, can you play out of the back and possess and play out of the back in MLS? Yes, but you have to have the right personnel for it. And it does not seem like that's the way they've built this team. Part of, I, I thought this was interesting. So I, I do want to ask you, I'm going to throw you an unscripted question here. That's fine. <laughs> so, um, I thought it was it, interesting. It, it's, it's a friendly conversation. You sure, can, you can ask is. me an unscripted. Uh, so I thought it was interesting with Claudio Reyna and his vehement defense of Josh Wolf right before the Cincinnati game. Um, and this was kind of part of the conversation with him was about his re- Wolf's reluctance to adapt. And he was defending him saying about how it was Wolf's position and Wolf had done a great job and Wolf was the guy and Wolf going forward. Um, and then what he said was he spent last year basically implementing his attack, teaching his system in the attack and the attack is there. And he's done a great job at forming how the, how the team is going to attack as a club. And then basically said what he didn't do was teach defense or teach transition or teach set pieces or like 75% of your game, right? Um, and he needs to get better on those things. So it seemed odd to me to come out and defend your coach by saying he did one thing really well and everything else he was bad at. So we're all behind him as long as he improves on everything else other than just the attacking strategy. Um, I thought that was an odd defense of the head coach. I know he was truly trying to defend him. Um, But I also thought it was correct. That was kind of the part of the problem was I felt and why I didn't have a problem with the attack this year. I felt like our attack would be much better. But if you're going to concentrate on that for an entire year, but you neglect the defense, you neglect transition, you neglect set pieces, you're bad on personnel substitutions, uh, then kind of where does that leave you as a head coach if you're doing one thing well and four or five things bad? Um, How does that get you a vote of confidence is the question. Um, So I don't know. My question for you is going to be, what do you think about that that comment from Reyna before the beginning of the season on Wolf's performance? Yeah, I don't have um, the quotation in front of me to look at. Uh, I, I, my impression has been is that Reina, I, I have two impressions. One impression is that Reina has absolutely, completely, 100% defended Wolf on multiple opportunities. He defended Wolf at the end of last season. He defended Wolf at the beginning of this season. Uh, when Reyna goes before the cameras or when he gives an interview, uh, he has consistently stood up 
for Wolf is my impression. And again, I don't have the quote in front of me. Uh, my second impression is, is that uh, those of you who are in the Wolf Out camp have, uh, you know, consistently speculated that, oh, you know, there's going to be a division between Reyna and Wolf. And maybe there's going to be, maybe there has been. But from what I've seen of the public statements, I, I don't see any space between them myself. Well, I will go on record as saying that I'm not in that camp that there's a division between the two. It's just my impression was more of I've always felt like Claudio Reyna is being straightforward when he gives these interviews. And I do think he was being realistic and acknowledging that there were these issues with the coaching last season. Um, it just seems a bit ridiculous <laughs> to me to say we've got a wonderful coach but he does 75 percent of the stuff bad and this is what he does good and we're happy with that i agree with that that's fine but that that just seemed like an odd defense to me although i think reyna was being genuine when he was talking about it and i do think um i've kind of thought from the get-go that um wolf would be here at least through this year. Um, and I think that was probably from pre-court. Um, Wolf was hired, I believe, before Reyna. So I don't know that I truly think that there's there was going to be a change made at the end of last season. And I don't think that Reyna has ever given that opening. Um, so if people are saying there's a division or there's space between them, they're probably reading into that. And that's probably some wishful thinking um on a means to an end but i don't see that i think i think they're actually in the same camp myself so okay. i would agree with you on that okay well um you did invoke the houston dynamo so do you have any houston dynamo observations oh i'm thrilled to see uh what the new owner is doing there now it's are you now you know i am <laughs> you know he's spending real money and, uh, you know, even I know who uh, Hector Herrera is, right? Uh, and, and recognize the face. So, you know, it's, they're uh, a crummy team. They're probably going to be a crummy team all year. Uh, but there is something new that's happening in Houston. And I think that Houston fans should have hope for the future as a result of the new things that they're seeing. Maybe not this year. You know, Rome, Rome isn't going to be built in a day. <laughs> but, but I think that there is cause for hope this year that there hasn't been over the last uh, six or seven or eight years. And if Houston is able to improve on the field and if Houston is able to attract uh, more fans to their stadium, that's good for all of us. So I wish Houston well, and I hope that uh, someday in the future we'll have a, what, what is it, a Highway uh, 280 <laughs> as it, uh, connects our, our city. We'll have a, 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 a Houston-Austin uh, contest for the Western Conference Championship. Well, now you've gotten to the real bone of contention and division between us because um, while I understand what you're saying, I don't wish Houston to have any hope. 
they're terrible. They're going to be terrible. They'll always be terrible because they're Houston. And that's my opinion on that. Uh, now, if you want to be more realistic, yes, I get what you're saying. They are trying something this season that they haven't been committed to doing before, as I would say is Dallas. And I believe Austin has kind of pushed both of them into making a little bit more of a competitive effort. Um, Hector Herrera, the, I mean, he's a good player and I think he will help them on the field by default because they're so terrible that how could he not, um, kind of just by being there, he makes them better. But I think that signing is more of a get some fans to come to the game to see Hector Herrera and sell some tickets and some jerseys and create a little bit of buzz. I think that's what that signing mostly does for them. Um, yeah, I think that they also need a number 10 in there and Herrera's not that. So. Right, exactly. Um, so I don't know. Teams have tried this before and in my humble opinion, it has never worked in MLS. So like Dallas with Hugo Sanchez. Um, you get that yeah. fan base to come in, yeah. you get the buzz, you get the kind of adrenaline shot in, in, in the ticket sales. And then as soon as that player is gone, every fan who showed up for them leaves, right? And they don't stick with Dallas or they don't stick with the Houston Dynamo. The trick is going to be if you can get those player, those fans to come out for that player, how do you then convert them into fans of the Houston Dynamo and keep them coming back. I don't know how they do that. I haven't seen anybody really do that. Are there the Chicago Fire fans who came out for Cuauhtémoc Blanco? Are they still there rooting for the fire? I don't see that. Well, uh, maybe I they'll just, come out for this new guy that Chicago <laughs> is bringing in, right? Yeah, so I, you kind of put yourself in an odd position when you do that to where all of a sudden if you don't have a Mexican national team star on your team, everybody's mad at you and they leave your fan base because you didn't give them that, that star. Um, yeah. So, and I'm, you know, Austin is not building their roster that way at all. Right? No, absolutely Austin. not. Because whoever heard, whoever heard of Sebastian Driussi, whoever heard of Cecilio Dominguez, right? right. Austin has gone out and uh, found value uh, and is trying to build a, uh, a squad that will, will, over time, <laughs> perform well, <laughs> perform well on the field, and and uh, and you know they have managed somehow to uh, generate excitement and uh, to bring in fans. Anyway, I guess uh, generated excitement over the, the yeah. shiny new team last year, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to generate excitement over the shiny new team winning this year. Well, that's the you thing. Know, I guess if you can yeah. sell out every home game for the entire season then you don't need gimmicks to bring people in, right? You've sold yeah, out. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it looks to me like Houston's got a lot of work to do, but it also looks to me like for the first time in a number of years, oh, you know, they're, they're trying to do the work that they need to do. So uh, I wish them well. And they're still uh, winless, Dallas, and I don't wish them well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dallas is an interesting case. You know, the Hunts, the Hunt family, uh, they are definitely sport pioneers, and it appears to me that they have been on the uh, leading edge of this um, academy uh, system, and they've got that going. And now it appears to me that they may be in a position to take it to the next step of, oh, not only are we developing our own players and selling them to Europe, 
but we're bringing in players from South America, developing them, and then we'll sell them onto Europe. Um, it's the selling they, on that's always been the issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they had a bad they had a bad year last year, and even in the years prior to last year, when they were in the playoffs, um, they often didn't have enough um, quality in their first team to take it all the way. But hey, they've you know they've gone outside of their system to hire a coach this year. Um, they are investing uh, not only in their academy but also in the in the squad and in their facilities. Uh, they've hired in a new uh, marketing director, which they you know they need to uh, try and do something to uh, uh, bring folks into to that stadium to watch the the quality that they have. So I I, I see stirrings in Dallas as well as Houston, and I think that. Um, Dallas, unlike Houston, is, is, has not been a basket case for a number of years, and Dallas has uh, more potential to oh, really uh, take it to the next level. Will right. They, they've, they've got a strong well, foundation that they can exactly. build quickly yeah. into something better than, than Houston can. I'm sorry. Houston, forget it. So, so, so hopefully, uh, you know, maybe, by, maybe not this season, but hopefully by – by next season, we'll have all three Texas teams uh, <laughs> doing well and in the playoffs. That's that would certainly be my hope. Two out of three, anyway. <laughs> well, uh, I appreciate you coming on. Do you have any? Um, well, I've got a, a couple of thoughts, but uh, I'll let you uh, take a take a stab at a last thought. You have any final thoughts for the program today? Uh, not really. Uh, you know, I I enjoy chatting on social media and text, and I think I can. That's uh, uh, really more comfortable for me in that forum. But this has been, you know, this has been lovely too. And you know, we did have some uh, some texting back and forth in preparation for this. So uh, so this has been a pleasure for me, and uh, I I, uh, I hope it makes for a good podcast for you, David. I appreciate you asking me on. And I do think our plethora of listeners might be surprised. I think the perception is that you are the glass half full type of guy that thinks things are going pretty well. And I'm the pessimist and the naysayer uh, who thinks are going pretty poorly from time to time. Um, and I think people might be surprised to know that both you and I picked Austin to finish ninth on the season. Is that correct? Well, that's where I picked him. Uh, that, that's where I picked him as well. I, so we landed I, the exact same yeah, spot yeah. from yeah, two I, different I, directions. But yeah, before the season spot. started, I expected progress, and yep. uh, uh, boy, I, and then after I picked him ninth, you know, I looked and gee, all the pundits I read were picking him tenth or eleventh, and I'm going, oh well, gee, maybe I was being uh, maybe I had on my rose-colored glasses again. But uh, yeah, I feel they, better about my. I feel better about my, my ninth pick uh, <laughs> after ten, 10 goals over two games. So. You're not ready to revise that up yet? Not ready to revise it up yet, but, you know, <laughs> let's, uh, let's look at Portland and Seattle and San Jose. And, you know, uh, uh, at some point uh, I, may, uh, I may be, be uh, ready to revise. I'm, I want to look at the first five games. Uh, I sure. think 
Yeah. Uh, I had, uh, you know, if they have uh, eight points over five games, if they have uh, uh, 10 points over five games, if they have 11 points over five games, that's, that's five games isn't enough, but five games is enough to at least say, hmm, do I, do I feel, do I really feel better about these guys? <laughs> I, I feel better about them after two games, but do I really feel better about them? Let's, let, let's revisit it after San Jose. Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of to go back to what I've been saying, if you're going to draw Cincinnati and Miami at home for the first two games, at least score five goals on them, right? So, I mean, we've done and we did what we, we needed did, to yeah. do in those games. So, what yeah. do you think about them being 14th in the power rankings after two weeks? <laughs> yes, I think uh, I think that's uh, appropriate. And, uh, <laughs> I know, uh, yeah, some of the guys in the uh, Los Verdes Slack chat were going, you know, give us credit. Well, hey, you know, uh, credit, credit will come, but uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, look, let's look at a few more games. Yeah, I do, although I do think all the quote-unquote experts who were picking them last or second to last failed to grasp all the problems from last season that caused us to be that far down and failed to really comprehend what an amazing player we have in Driussi. Uh, that he's just a, he's going to be a best 11 in the league this year. I do firmly believe. And with a player like that, we have enough talent on this team. I've kind of said, uh, we didn't talk too much about Cecilio, but I've kind of said, we're going to be as good or as bad as Cecilio makes us this year. I think he's kind of the key to the season. Um, and what I want to see is how he reacts, kind of like the same with Wolf. I want to see how Cecilio reacts to adversity. There will be some at some point. And how does he handle his role in the team when there is adversity? Because I've seen the effort over the first couple of games. Can you continue to see that throughout the season all the way to the end of the season? That's what I want to see from him. Well, if you don't see that, this year, unlike last year, hey, we can send Finley in on uh, the right wing and we can move Fagundes over to the left wing and we can bench the CEO if we're not seeing what we need to see. So we have a lot more depth and that is depth at left wing also now. I, I, I absolutely agree with that because the depth has been part of the problem last season. We'd had no depth. So this year, you know, Gite going in for Aruti or Finley coming in for one of the wings or having Valencia come in for Pereira or vice versa or, you know, take the four center backs and flip a coin. It doesn't really matter when one comes off and the next one comes in. You're not seeing that drastic uh, fall off in quality from the bench players that we have options off the bench this year that we didn't have last year. So I think that's going to propel us a lot further as the season goes along. But um, that's really all David, I have um, David, for today. You're, David, you're starting to sound like a glass half full guy, right? I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not that pessimistic on Austin. I think Austin, here's, here's the problem. So you want me to sound pessimistic again and glass half empty? No, um, no, no. And I, this was I like my the glass half full, David, right? <laughs> This was my problem last year. I thought the roster was talented enough to be eighth or ninth last year, and we ended up 13th. And that, to me, was okay. coaching. I think our talent on the roster this year is good enough to be a playoff team, and I don't 
see us getting there because I think the coaching is going to hold us back. I hope it doesn't. I hope I, I, I'll have you on this program when we make the playoffs and you can give it to me about how dumb I was about being wolf out last season. And I will take that because I hope that's what's going to happen. Um, I'm just not ready to say yet that I've seen anything that have convinced me of that, but we'll see as the season goes on. I'm, I'm a hopeful guy. You maybe you've rubbed off on me that I'm a hopeful guy for this season. <laughs> well, time, time will tell. And I, uh, <laughs> I've enjoyed doing this and uh, ask me anytime. Okay. I appreciate you coming on again. We want to say all our best to Harry Austin. Um, I know he's having an issue today. Uh, he hopefully will be back with us next week and um, USL is kicking off and we can talk some USL action Copa Texas with the USL team, San Antonio, RGV, El Paso, no Austin Boulder, as I call them FC Fort Worth this year. Um, but we've got the other three USL teams and we'll talk to Harry about that next week and have a little bit more of a USL focus, but as always, we'll be talking about Austin FC and how we did up in Portland. Before we leave, I would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, TKR Law Group, formerly the Law Office of Tanya K. Rosamond. It's a new name, but the same great service for all your immigration and family law needs. TKR Law Group here in Austin, Texas. We appreciate their support. Just an update for both Central Texas Lobos and for CTX Hornets. Lobos will be going up to Fort Worth for their first travel exhibition. We'll be playing Sansom Park FC in Fort Worth, Texas on Sunday, March 13th. CTX Hornets is about to gear up. We will be holding a practice later in March, and then we'll be having tryouts coming up, open tryouts in April. So all you ladies interested in CTX Hornets for this summer, please keep, stay tuned, and we'll bring you more information. Thanks again. I appreciate your time. Thanks, to everybody, Enjoy. for listening. We'll see you next week. Enjoy.